This is In Her Words, for Gatherer Entertainment, where budding Tisch students read you the great op-eds, articles, and content you might have missed. Today's episode features me, Emma Baxter, along with Paul Malakol, reading My Weekend in Vegas, written by Nora Efron, published in the Huffington Post on December 6th, 2017. A couple of weekends ago, we went to Las Vegas. It was a small group of us who can never get enough Vegas. We stayed at the Wynn, where we always stay. We like the Wynn, and we like Stephen Elaine Wynn, who own the Wynn. And we like the breakfast buffet at the Wynn, which is the greatest breakfast buffet in Las Vegas, and therefore in the world. It's even better than the breakfast buffet at the Bellagio Hotel, which Steve Wynn used to own. The day you die and go to heaven, there will not be a breakfast buffet as good as the one at the Wynn. We got there Friday night and went straight to dinner at the SW restaurant, which is, of course, named after Steve Wynn. I'd never been there. It has a strip steak that I honestly thought was the finest steak of my life. And let me tell you, I eat a lot of steak. This reminds me. Someone at our table ordered a steak made of grass-fed beef. It was the second time I'd had grass-fed beef in less than a week. It's become a big trend. And may I say that someone should stamp out grass-fed beef because it has no taste whatsoever. Anyway, while we were eating, Stephen Elaine Wynn stopped by the table. Wynn was in a very good mood because, he told us, he had just sold a Picasso for $139 million. I was surprised he'd sold it because the Picasso in question was not just any old Picasso, but the famous painting Lareth, which used to hang in the museum at the Bellagio when Wynn owned it, and no question it was Wynn's favorite painting. He'd practically named his new hotel after it, but at some point in the course of construction, he changed his mind and decided to name the hotel after himself, which when you think of it, was a good idea, but with the homonym and all. Meanwhile, he named the Cirque du Soleil show at the Wynn after Lareth. The buyer of the painting, Wynn told us, was a man named Stephen Cohen. Everyone seemed to know who Stephen Cohen was, a hedge fund billionaire who lived in Connecticut in a house with a fabulous art collection he had just recently amassed. This is the most money I've ever paid for a painting, Steve Wynn said. The price was $4 million more than Ronald Lauder had recently paid for a Klimt. Oh, that Klimt. It had set a bar, no question of that, and Wynn was thrilled to have beaten it. He invited us to come see the painting before it moved to Connecticut, never to be seen again by anyone but people who know Stephen Cohen. The next day, after an excellent lunch at Chinois in the Forum Mall, which is the eighth wonder of the world, we all trooped back to our hotel to see the painting. We went into Wynn's office, which is just off the casino, past a waiting area with a group of fantastic Warhols, past a secretary's desk with a Matisse over it, a Matisse over a secretary's desk, and by the way, a Renoir over another secretary's desk, and into Wynn's office. There, on the wall, were two large Picassos, one of them Lurev. Steve Wynn launched into a long story about the painting. He told us that it was a painting of Picasso's mistress, Marie Therese Walter, that it was extremely erotic, and that if you looked at it carefully, which I did for the first time, although I had seen it before at the Bellagio, you could see that the head of Marie Therese was divided into two sections and that one of them was a penis. This was not a good moment for me vis-a-vis the painting. In fact, I would have to say that it made me pretty much think I wouldn't pay $5 for it. Wynne went on to tell us about the provenance of the painting, who'd first bought it, and who'd then bought it. This brought us to the famous Victor and Sally Gantz, a New York couple who are sort of an ongoing caution to the sorts of people who currently populate the art world, because the Ganzes managed to accumulate a spectacular art collection in a small New York apartment with no money at all. The Gantz collection went up for auction in 1997, Wynne was saying. He was standing in front of the painting at this point, facing us. He raised his hand to show us something about the painting, and at that moment, his elbow crashed backwards right through the canvas. There was a terrible noise. 
Wynn stepped away from the painting, and there, smack in the middle of Marie Therese Walzer's plump and allegedly erotic forearm, was a black hole the size of a silver dollar. Or, to be more exact, the size of the tip of Steve Wynn's elbow, with two three-inch-long rips coming off it in either direction. Steve Wynn has retinitis pigmentosa, an eye disease that damages peripheral vision, but he could see quite clearly what had happened. Oh shit, he said. Look what I've done. The rest of us were speechless. Thank God it was me, he said. For sure. The word money was mentioned by someone, or perhaps it was the word deal? Wynn said, This has nothing to do with money. The money means nothing to me. It's that I had this painting in my care, and I damaged it. I felt that I was in a room where something very private had happened that I had no right to be at. I felt absolutely terrible. At the same time, I was holding my digital camera in my hand. I'd just taken several pictures of the Picasso, and I wanted to take a picture of the Picasso with the hole in it so badly that my camera was literally quivering. But I didn't see how I could take a picture. It seemed to me I'd witnessed a tragedy, and what's more, that my flash would go off if I did and give me away. Steve Wynn picked up the phone and left a message for his art dealer. Then he called his wife Elaine. You'll never believe what I just did, he said to her. From where we stood, on the other end of the phone call, Elaine seemed to take the news calmly and did not yell at her husband. This was particularly impressive to my own husband. There was a conversation about whether the painting could be restored. Wynne seemed to think it could be, and of the two people in America who were capable of restoring it. We all promised we would keep the story quiet. Not, you understand, to cover it up, but to make sure that Wynne was able to deal with the episode as he wished to until it came out. We all knew it would come out eventually. It would have to. There were too many of us in the room, plus all the people in the art world who were eventually going to hear about it. Meanwhile, we were not going to tell anyone. We promised. I promised. That night, we went to dinner, once again at SW, because that's how great it is. It's worth going two nights in a row. They were serving creamed corn with truffles, which was amazing. Once again, the winds joined us. They were in a terrifically jolly mood, all things considered, and Wynn told us that he planned to tell Steve Cohen the next day and that of course Cohen was released from the deal because the painting had been damaged. After dinner, I threw eight or nine passes at the craps table, one of which included a hard ten. The next day, one of my sons came to meet us in Las Vegas, and we went to Joe Stone Crab, which is excellent, and where the key lime pie may be even better than the key lime pie at Joe Stone Crab in Miami Beach, if such a thing is possible. I told my son the story of what had happened to the painting, but it didn't really count because my son is completely trustworthy. Nine days passed and I told no one else. It was the most painful experience of my life. But I felt good too, because as I say, I knew the story would come out eventually and when it did, I didn't want it to be my fault. And the story did come out. Ten days after Wynn put his elbow through the painting, there was an item about it on page six of the New York Post. It was very clear who had given page six the item, and it wasn't me. I was thrilled that I had managed to keep the story more or less to myself, and celebrated by calling several friends and telling them my version of what had happened. Two days later, I got a call from a reporter at The New Yorker who said he was going to write a piece about the episode. I still didn't feel comfortable discussing the event, but I called Elaine Wynn and told her The New Yorker was going to write a story and that Steve should call the reporter back and tell him about it, since no question the story was out there. Elaine told me she was glad I'd called because she had awakened that morning with the realization that Steve's putting his elbow through the painting had been a sign, and that they were meant to keep the painting. So they were going to. Now, in today's New Yorker, there's a very charming piece about the incident, and as far as I'm concerned, I am entirely released from my vow of silence on the matter. So there it is. My weekend in Vegas.
This has been Gatherer Entertainment's In Her Words. Today's episode featured me, Emma Baxter, along with Paul Malakal, reading My Weekend in Vegas, written by Nora Ephron, published in the Huffington Post on December 6, 2017. In Her Words is executive produced by Jenna Siegel through Siegel NYC Productions.